Facing a crisis in your life or business? Take the helm and steer yourself in the right direction. It's time to take charge and make things happen with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. I have never had the pleasure of interviewing a professional chef. So James Barry and I are going to have a conversation today. And I know just in our preliminary uh, touching base and me getting to know him a little bit, I've learned so much. I just learned a word. I'm 59 years old and I have, I have to look it up now, James. What was that word? Umani? Umami. Umani. Okay. Well, we're going to- Umami with an M. Umami. Umami. There you go. There you go. Uh, James is not only a professional chef, he's the founder of Pluck. And he certainly has had his highs and lows as an, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And, um, and some of those experiences took a different turn when he became a father. So lots to talk about, James. I'm, I'm happy that you're with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to get into it. It's, it's, it's been quite the journey. <laughs> well, let's go back to when you're running your business. What does a day in the life of a professional chef look like? So I, when I, right before I started my business, I was cooking for Tom Cruise. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure you know who that is. Most people do. Um, oh, yes. And oh, it yes. was really, an, a, he was a great person and really, uh, I learned so much about being a personal chef working for him because you had to be ultra prepared. I mean, ultra, like, and I really learned how to hold food because, you know, you would, you would get the word from his people. It'd be like, okay, Tom's waking up, have his meal ready. And you'd be all ready to go and you'd get it ready. And then be like, oh no, he's not waking up yet. Uh, hold, you know, hold for 30 minutes. So if you didn't have backups of food, if you weren't ready, then you may have just wasted your one meal. So I just, I learned to really understand how to private chef for an A-list an a person, um, someone whose schedule changed constantly, um, and just to be really, you know, prepared. But so that's what I was coming from. But ultimately, what I what I realized working for him and all, all of the celebrities I worked for is that I, I just wanted to help more people. It, it was an honor to work with so many of those, those celebrities. But I just felt like, the way that I cook in terms of um, making comfort foods healthy, the, the, way, the, the way that people were feeling from the food I was making, I felt like I needed to serve more than just wealthy people, just to sum up, you know, celebrities, even though they're much deeper than that. But, but um, so I, that's when I, I realized, okay, I want to start a meal delivery service that's cooking, that's preparing food the way I was for these celebrities. But here's the thing. I didn't know a thing about running a business. I just knew how to be a chef. I just, I, I was the technician. I was not the, the business person, but yet for some reason I thought I could do it. And, um, and so what happened is I started slow. I was still cooking for my private chef clients, but I started with this one client and I, and I um, rented a kitchen out of the church across the street from where I lived. That's, that's what I did. So I was really aware of, okay, I need to keep my costs low as I build this business. And so I did everything I could. I even had an intern initially um, that I was training to eventually take over. Um, but what I ran up against was not really understanding business. And eventually a few years in, I even realized that my training of that intern and, and trying to support her and taking over the kitchen would never work. And here's why because I had never run a kitchen. So how can I train someone 
to do something I've never done. So I was, I was ultimately, I was a really great personal chef who, who was a really great technician and knew how to cook very specific meals. But in terms of running a business, I did not really know. So I was very much learning on the fly. So I didn't have any funding. I funded it myself, um, which <laughs> I would never do that again. <laughs> but, um, but I you also- look for grants. You first... look for grants and things you could apply for now, right? Is that what you Well, grants uh, or even just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, just, just investors, angel investors, even um, because the, well, here's one of the issues: when you're funding it yourself, the business is not going to be in the black initially, right? So it's going to take some time. So what happens is, when you're funding it yourself, you still have to maintain your day job or whatever job is making money. So now you're not fully 100% into the new business. So how is it supposed to succeed when you have one foot in one world and one foot in another? Let's go back to it. You said angel. Angel funders. What, what, what does that mean? Uh, that, that's, I don't know when that term came around, but that's basically people who um, are giving you their money because they believe in the idea or believe in you, okay. but they, they are, and I'm sure there's different terms, but how it's being used in my, my current business is um, that it's usually with a convertible note. So, so basically the company that they're investing in, your, you, your company has not been evaluated, evaluated yet. So they don't actually know what they're purchasing because in, inevitably when they're angel investors, they're really investing in the idea before they know how much it's even worth. So everyone is just kind of gambling on the fact that they're, that it's going to become something, but I think they're called angel investors because there's not really lots of strings attached to it at this stage. It's more of like if they lose their money, they're taking the risk with you. The angel on your yeah. shoulder. <laughs> exactly. And, they, and it's very possible that they're going to lose their money along with you and you, you know, your own, you, you losing your time and money. But the hope is that everyone's going to succeed. So I had no investors. I had, I, you know, for my first business, I was, um, I think I was about the first year in, and when I started to hire people, so first I had that intern I mentioned, so she wasn't getting paid, but after a few months, I had to start paying her. So the minute I started paying her, I think I then also had to have a dishwasher. So I think I had maybe two or three employees, but we were still just starting. So I, I maybe, maybe only had 20, 25 clients. I wasn't paying myself, but I had obviously lots of costs. And um, I was starting to have panic attacks at night like already, like within the first year, I started having panic attacks. And I, ironically, and this is, I find is true with most people in the health field is your goal is to help people with their health, but inevitably your own health starts to falter. It starts to fail. And I absolutely felt that. I mean, I ran that meal delivery service for eight years, grew it from one client to thousands and it did start to profit and make money. And I learned a lot and I eventually did sell it. I didn't end up making much off the sale due to the circumstances, but, but, um, but I still learned so much, but ultimately I feel in those eight years, I probably took like five years off my life. I mean, I just, the lack of sleep. I mean, I, I, at any time we tried to go away on a vacation, I still had to work because I had these reports that I would have to manually create and they were basically reports on what the people needed to make how i would break down all the different clients um specifics around their food sensitivities or allergies or whatever it was and i had to make those reports daily i think there was a one day a week where i didn't have to make them so six days a week i had to make them and so i was typically up to like two in the morning because i also experienced you know uh 
where I was avoiding making these because it, it was so stressful that eventually I kind of just, I would try to avoid doing it. You know, some people are like, oh, let me turn it out. But it was just, it, it, it inspires so much stress in me having to create these reports because they were so hyper specific, um, which was a mistake of how I built the business. I was trying to serve everyone's needs and it, that was a mistake, but I didn't know that at first. I was, trying to, I was trying to create a business that was serving people as though we were personal chefs. But I was trying to cook for everyone and you can't, you just can't do that. You can't, you can't customize every single meal when you're making hundreds of meals. You just can't mm -hmm. do it. Um, so what were the circumstances that caused you to sell at that time? You're like, besides the realization that your health was, um, you, like you said, you took five years off of your life. What else happened? Well, so I had our, we, we had had our firstborn child at that point. I think she was um, almost three by the time I, I was selling, but I, I think when, when she was born, it just kind of shifted. You know, we, we started to really look, we were in Los Angeles at the time. That's where the meal delivery service was. And we were realizing that um, this wasn't where we wanted to raise our daughter. Um, we, I was also re realizing that I was completely um, buried by my business. Like I had built the business on me. Like I was the draw. And as I tried to pull away and I tried to get other people to do the work, of course, they didn't do it the way I did or they didn't do it as effectively as, you know, that's, that's, the, that's what happens. And um, the amount of issues we would have around the customer service piece, around mistakes with the meals or something, because it was just too, too detailed that it wasn't, wasn't very replicable. So we were growing naturally, but I couldn't maintain the quality uh, during the growth and I couldn't get out from under the business despite trying I just because I couldn't train someone to do what I was doing because it was just so I, I didn't know how it was so hyper detailed so the only way I saw as how to get out of the business was to bring someone else in um, and and just get literally just remove myself and even that process took I think about six months um, okay. So we actually moved from Los Angeles to Portland and that is that process. So I knew we, you know, I planned for it for a year. And during that year, that's all I did was remove myself as much as possible from the business, bring in people that could maintain the business as I was running it. And honestly, every aspect of it didn't succeed. Like no one could run it the way I did. And, 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 and no one was as dedicated to it as I was. So my understanding is you you took a paycheck for a little while while you were still involved in the company and oh. then nothing. No pay, stopped just like that. And you're stuck. Yeah, yeah that was really that was a really tough. It's tough to talk about because it was it was really challenging. So uh, the people I sold it to, when I sold it to them, I knew instinctively that they were not the right people to sell yeah. to. I, didn't, I really just instinctively knew they didn't understand the restaurant business, even though we were meal delivery. It's basically a restaurant business. Um, and I just, I just knew that they were undermining how difficult it was and they didn't really understand it. And they had some money to throw at it. So that's why I was like, well, let's give it a, let's give it a go. Um, Cause I didn't have any other offers. And so I went with them. I was getting paid from them initially per our agreement because basically they were buying into the business by paying me. I think that lasted for maybe three months and I was doing work that entire time. So I was supporting the culture during that time. And then suddenly my pay was cut in half after three months. And they said, well, we're, we're losing a lot of money where they just, they, they didn't really give many reasoning, much reasoning for it, but it was, 
it was mostly just because they things weren't going well so they were they were needing to reduce my pay to support the business and stay keeping it alive so they reduced it by half then i think a few months later maybe three months later i was in la for an event to support their bit you know the business and my wife calls me and is like um you didn't get paid and i was like what do you mean this is there's just no money and i asked them and they said oh yeah we we're not paying you anymore and i was like what there was like that's, no that's communication oh i'm, I'm sure it was i'm sure it was i mean because i had contracts and i probably could have taken them to court but then that's a whole other bag you know when you're mm -hmm. you know you have to be willing to go to go to that distance you know um and i and, and, and I wasn't, they weren't my enemies as well. I mean, we had all gotten to know each other and, and I know that they were in a, in a hole as well. So there was, there was a lot of humanity to it. Um, then a lot of mistakes made and they, uh, they were very apologetic. And but, yeah, but in the meantime, me. you have no income for your family. Yeah. And, yeah. and we our, our second daughter was about to be born a couple of weeks later. So we, I mean, we were just wrecked. And um, what happened though, is my, my wife's business was starting, was doing well enough where basically after giving birth uh, to our second child, I think about three, three weeks, four weeks later, she had to transition to becoming the breadwinner. Like, so we, we basically had her doing her business and then I was a stay at home parent and holy moly, that talk about hard work. I, <laughs> I bow to every stay-at-home parent out there. Usually it's mostly women, but anyone that has been the stay-at-home parent, I will be the first to honor you. And I will also tell you that that is the hardest work I have ever done. Well, I, I'm going to jump in because, uh, you know, there is a stare. You said mostly women. I, that's been changing. I'm going to just yeah. share a little experience here. My oldest is 27 years old. And um, back then, well, okay, I'm in Canada, so it's very different. Right now, you can take a year off on on uh, on uh, parental leave or maternity leave and receive 60% uh, of your income is usually what it happens here. But back then, uh, my husband was a police officer. In 27 years ago, he took three months of parental leave and holy mackerel, did he get verbally accosted. I can't, it's not the role, you know, those kinds of things. We've come a long way. And so, wow. James, your experience, yeah, your experience now as a father staying at home and what you shared with me, it changed your perspective entirely, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, A, I was able to get my health back. Yeah. Um, and it just gave me some white space. I think, I think that we, you know, rest and relaxation to a degree, because obviously when a newborn is, is you know within the first six months they're mostly sleeping right i mean that is mostly what they do so i slept with her a lot she slept, on my, <laughs> she slept on my chest um but i got lots of uh rest uh some, sometimes maybe even too much where it made me a little crazy like the repetition of the days but i got that white space and that white space really gave my me time for my creative brain to come back so no longer was i in survival mode as I was the last eight years with my meal delivery service, I suddenly was in a place of like creative growth and just imagining and playing. And, mm -hmm. and what came from that was this vision for a functional food product that miraculously had never been done, which is, I still, I sit here in awe still because I can't believe that I created something in 2000 and you know, 19 when I had the idea 
or 18, I think. Um, but when I had the idea to now launching the business in 2020, and this is the first of its kind, like I just, there's no first of their kind anymore. You know what I mean? Unless it's like laboratory made. So you're, you're the founder of Pluck. So, you know, it's interesting when you and I were talking about it and, and I thought Pluck, okay. I immediately think of poultry, you know, plucking feathers, but yeah. so explain to us what Pluck is all about. Yeah. So Pluck, even though we associate it as plucking feathers or even maybe a plucky attitude, uh, it, it actually, the origin of the name is animal organs. And that is what the product is. So I'm, I'm utilizing mother nature's multivitamin, which is basically organ meats, which we're not getting enough of in our diet, but they're packed full of nutrients. Mm -hmm. And what's really amazing is if you look at any, anyone can do a search and look up, you know, most nutrient dense foods or like nutrient dense graph showing all the foods. And what it will do is it will inevitably show something like kale. It will show blueberries. It will show beef, uh, muscle meat, and then it will usually show beef liver. And, and every, every marker that they're showing, there's inevitably some vitamin or mineral that one of those items doesn't meet. But liver meets all of them. Like every box is checked off in some degree. And then the, the boxes where they're comparing like, you know, vitamin A in this compared to vitamin A in this or vitamin B12 in this compared to that. Even when you compare beef liver to beef, just muscle meat, the, the numbers are insane. I mean, it's not just like a little bit more. It's like beef liver is sometimes five to a hundred times more than every other food. Yeah, I did my research too, and I, I found uh, vitamins A, B, C, D, E, K, essential minerals, iron, potassium, fiber. Um, my goodness! And you so generously sent me a package to try. So if you're if you're watching on YouTube, I'll just hold it up. If you're listening, it's called Eat Pluck. And I, you know, we were talking just before we started recording. I couldn't find the words to describe the flavor. So flavorable, it was delicious but at the same time, hard to pinpoint. So that's when you introduced me to the term I mentioned at the beginning. Um, how, yeah, so that's a very unique flavor you're saying. Yeah, so, so technically there's, typically we associate as there's four flavors, you know, salty, bitter, sour, um, uh, sweet, right? Those are, the, yeah. those are the four that we typically associate with food that we grew up learning about. Well, there was a fifth one that was identified in Japan um and it's it's umami and umami is kind of a savory it's 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 it they it's really it is challenging to truly describe it but the best way to do it is they call it savory uh, yeah and, that's that's a good that's a good term yes I yeah would. it's savory yeah. and 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 so what it does uh you'll see in most packaged foods out there you'll usually see um, natural flavorings or uh, yeast extract or MSG, monosodium glutamate. Those items are usually added to packaged foods because those bring an umami flavor because manufacturers know that umami, when you get umami in a, in a food, it's so unique because your body doesn't typically, typically get it from all the other foods. So it's so unique that it actually enhances the flavor of everything else. So umami actually makes other foods taste better. And that's what I find with pluck as well. So pluck is naturally umami and that's from the organ meat. So we use five organs in pluck. We use liver, kidney, heart, spleen, and pancreas. And you would naturally go like, oh, what is Yeah, you know? it doesn't sound very appetizing, but it yeah, is. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> 
but you can speak to it. it it's incredibly flavorful and it's, and it's because I balance those organ flavors, those kind of uh, metallic, you know, liver can have a metallic flavor to it. Um, uh, kidney can have kind of a uric acid flavor to it a little bit, you know, so there's, there's certain flavors that naturally come with these organ meats, but I counterbalance them with the spices and herbs that I add to the mix. And the organ, so for those that are listening, um, the organ mix is just no different than any, you know, spice seasoning that you have in your drawer. I use freeze-dried organs, so I'm utilizing modern technology, but you're getting uh, ancestral, you know, nutrition. And that's really key is you're getting the nutrition from whole foods. This is not some synthetic vitamin. You, these are whole foods that are incredibly nutrient dense. So everything you sprinkle pluck on, and you can use it just like liver, uh, like salt and pepper, everything you sprinkle it on is now upped in nutrition. And you source that from New Zealand. Yeah, and sadly, it's because I have to, because um, the US and even Canada, we do not have supply chain for really healthy animals and their organs. And you really need, you know, whenever you're eating meat in general. So a lot of people uh, get confused sometimes. They think organs are the uh, where you store toxins. It, it, it isn't. It, it's actually stored in fat. So that's why um, what an animal is fed how it's treated, uh, the environment that it's raised in, all these things are so, so important. Um, and because you, you don't want the stuff that's coming from conventional meat, you don't want the bad stuff, you want the good stuff. Um, you want the grass, the 100% grass fed, you want no GMOs, you want no hormones, you know, you want as little or as little to no antibiotics, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So you want as less chemicals as possible. And you just want grass-fed beef and we're getting it from new zealand because they're an island they can control their environment better they're they're using green grasses so they're able to feed their cattle um that green grass year round due to the climate and it's a huge it's a huge export for them product so they're very determined to ensure that it's extremely high quality um and and they also have set, set up a supply chain where they utilize all of the animal. Like here in the US, we still utilize all of the animal, but not for human consumption. There they use the majority of the animal for human consumption. I see. Okay. Let's talk about the benefits of adding organ meats to your diet. What what yeah. Can we, yeah. how is our well, health you, going to be improved? You just you you noted a lot of the vitamins already, the A, B, C, D, E, K. Um essential Longevity, minerals. Longevity, I would think. You're gonna, we're going to live oh, longer. <laughs> absolutely. Well, well, that's what's so fascinating, right, is we are, we're nutrient deficient. I mean, this is a fact. The world itself is nutrient deficient. But yet, if you look at, let's just focus on the U.S., right? If you look at the U.S., we're not a skinny nation. And so it's not like we're not nutrient deficient because we're not eating enough. We're nutrient deficient um, because of the quality of the food we're eating, because most most of us there's a you know there's an obesity epidemic, right? So most of the people in the U.S. are overweight or obese. Um, so that truly tells you it's not an issue of calories; it's an issue of the quality of the food. You know, our soils are depleted. We're using chemicals uh, to raise and grow things. We're using um, like we're using. Uh, genetically modified organisms we're doing things to our food that is lessening the nutritional value so a lot of times when you're growing um, for quantity you lose quality 
-hmm. you know, and, and also if you'll notice like you, and this is, this is talked about a lot, but if you've ever put like a organic heirloom tomato up against a conventional tomato, the conventional tomato doesn't have much flavor and it's because they want more uniformity in size. But when you try to grow for that, you lose flavor. So flavor, when something's flavorful, that equals nutrition. Of course, that doesn't apply to packaged goods. I'm just talking to real food. Real food grown in nature, flavor equals nutrition. If it's flavorful, it's probably more nutrient dense. Um, well, and we're using that. here is so easy to use. I mean, you basically sprinkle some seasoning, like you said, like salt and pepper onto your, onto your meal, onto your, onto your meat. Yeah, and I and 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 that's such a great point is that it is so easy to use, right? And that's a really important to me because I feel like if anything, there's anything we learned during COVID, it's that we kind of default to what we know. And so what happened? I mean, I can really only speak for the U.S., but in U.S., but I think this is true worldwide. Um, alcohol sales went up. Um, you know, baking and eating desserts and all that kind of stuff went up. You know, those kind of sales of the products and foods that feed our addictions all went up because I think most people were emotionally eating and we, we defaulted to our comfort zones. So to me, that says, OK, all these newfangled health trends, all these new diets, those all fell by the wayside. So what's key for, to me for the future of food and what I really am trying to embody and focus on with my company is I want foods that are truly healthy, first of all. So I don't want a foods that are hiding some kind of like synthetic or, or sweetener or something like that. I'm not into that kind of stuff. So I don't want to contribute to anyone's sweet tooth or anyone's addictive qualities. But I also want products that don't require a huge habit change. They don't require that you, you know, spin three times, you know, before you eat them or you go for a walk, you know, you have to run 30, 30 minutes, you know, five <laughs> days a week. You're like, I don't want any trend like that or where you need some newfangled appliance to make it, you know, I want things that don't require a new habit because those are the things that you're going to stick with. And pluck is one of those. You don't, it's not a new habit to season food. We all season food already. All I'm saying is like, just use this product and now you're, you're getting nutrients where you were previously not. And we all need them. There's no doubt about that. We all need these nutrients. Now, are there any health conditions where people would be at risk? I'm thinking allergies is the first thing that comes to mind, food allergies. Well, I mean, some people are, you know, eating different diets. So some people um, can't do nightshades and there's smoked paprika in there. Um, some people don't do garlic and onion if they're low FODMAP um, and there is garlic and onion in there. Um, but for the most part, there's really, there, there's nothing in there. There's, there's nothing other than what it says. So there's no hidden ingredients and um, we're, we're sourcing everything, you know, it's organic or it's hundred percent grass fed in terms of the organs. So Everything is extreme quality, so there shouldn't be any allergies outside of just your food preferences. Um, there's sometimes, you know, with organ meats, they're very, they're very high in iron. So uh, some people may be concerned when they think of when they hear that this has organs in it, they may be concerned about getting too much of, of something. But I've actually thought of that. So I formulated pluck so that you could use it every day and use it on multiple meals daily. I purposely kept the percentage of the organ you know, sufficient where you're getting something, but not so high that I would push you into a danger zone. Cause that is, that is something that we have to seriously be aware of, you know, people that are just self-diagnosing and they're just taking, let's say desiccated, you know, powdered organ meats and capsules, mm -hmm. and they're just popping, you know, eight or nine of those a day. It's like, well, 
that's great. That's a great source of nutrients, but you didn't get assessed. So what if you have too much iron? And even someone that has a lot of iron, she can't be using cast iron pots. You know, you can't like you, you, you have to be sensitive when you have to know what your body needs. And I formulated pluck so it could serve anybody. I, I did not know about cast iron pots either. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're, if you already have high iron um, reserves, you should not be cooking in cast iron because there's iron leaches into it. Now, if you're also anemic though, cast iron is a great um, uh, uh, material to use, you know, when you're cooking food, if you're anemic, great thing. I mean, I personally, you know, I've been a chef for over 16 years and I'll, I'll, I'll say these couple things like, so my, I, I really don't believe you need a lot of appliances in, in your kitchen. I think there's, it's a lot of, it's just trends or tricks, but uh, my favorite pans to use are, are cast iron because they're so easy to clean. They last forever. You can stick them in the oven. You can stick them on top of the burners. They're just very versatile. But alternatively, if you're anemic or have, particularly if you, let's say a lot of women right around when they're menstruating, um, good time to use the cast iron pan because you're going to be losing blood and losing iron. So it's a good time to use it. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I'm learning a lot today in this little half hour, James. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I, because I'm up in Canada, obviously anyone, you, you, uh, you send things globally. People can do orders from around the world. Can they not? They can. Now it's gotten a little bit more conf um, convoluted for the U uh, the EU, um, because they just, they just changed the, um, the, the rules around it. So there's the, um, the tariffs or the fees that come with it. Uh, they used to say that if it was a certain amount of a product, you know, if it was let's say $22 or less, there were no fees or tariffs, but now they're saying everything. So, so it just means it's going to, there, there might be some extra fees when you go to try to pick up your product, if you're living in the EU, but for Canada, um, yeah, it's just, it is a higher shipping, but we do have a couple of people that are, um, that are providing it, uh, in Canada. Um, there's an Ontario farm that puts it with their, um, oh. with their products and you can learn about them on our, um, Instagram at eat pluck. Um, we highlight who they are. Um, but yeah, we ship to, we ship to, uh, Canada and you know, what's interesting is that we do have a lot of Canadians asking for the product. But here's what I want to say to all the Canadians listening or watching this is I also talked to a Canadian distributor who uh, would really like the product. And so they started as a fairly big distributor there who serves a lot of the health, uh, health companies, the health stores in Canada. And they solicited the health store people to see, Hey, is this a product you would want to carry? And they actually turned it down. They didn't, they did not see the value of organ meat yet. And, and I think it's because, oh they're still catching up to this. So if you're a Canadian who does see the value of organ meat, then please, you know, raise your voice to your local health store and ask them to carry pluck. Cause we, I don't want you to have to pay crazy shipping for it. I want to get it to you locally, but they, they are not, the, the stores are not seeing the value yet. And I know they will, I, if it's going to take a few years, I know they will. Cause there, there is inherent value in organ meats. It's just there. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no doubt about it. You can't argue it but they don't realize that yet. So please, you know, help, help them realize that go to your local health food store and ask them to carry pluck and start, let's start making a wave because maybe we can get it over there. And I'll <laughs> tell you, I have, we have, Oh, I don't know. My husband is a spice 
king. We have everything you could possibly think of, but this was brand new to us and we thoroughly enjoyed it. So cool about it is it's very versatile. What did you guys use, use it on? Beef. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people, it's funny. Um, I, you know, as a chef, I have certain sensibilities, but as, as I put this product out there, I'm seeing other people try it on things. And so far we have not found one thing it doesn't go well with. So fish, chicken, vegetables, every vegetable, eggs are a mm -hmm. huge popular one, but you want to know the one that hands down. Oh, I I personally, oh eggs, it's so good on eggs. But the oh, thing wow. that I hands down blows people away. And that once you do it um, on this, this, this food, you'll never be able to go back is popcorn. Oh my goodness. Never. I just thought meat. I just automatically thought I'm going to take organ beef seasoning and put it on meat. That's no, it, go, it, it genuinely, my kids put it on everything. If they have <laughs> toast, they put it on their toast. They have oh, eggs, wow. they put it on their eggs. If they have, if I have a salad, I put it on my salad. I mean, yeah. anything you can put salt and pepper on, you can put pluck on. And the popcorn though, if you put butter on your popcorn and then add some pluck, you will, I, I guarantee you will be blown away. And I okay. want to hear from you. If you You're do on. it, I want to hear from you. <laughs> okay. I, oh, I'm definitely going to do it. You're on. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> well, James, you know, you, you took that time off when you were a stay at home dad. And I know I, I want to go back to that because I think the relationship you now have, I can tell you the relationship my husband has with all three of our children, having taken parental leave with each one of them, I think it made a difference, you know, as they were young. Uh, growing up, would you say the same in, in your situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I have two daughters. And so I think, you know, anytime, particularly the opposite gender uh, parent, it, it's really important for them. Cause I, you know, I've heard from experts, they say that, you know, your, your parent informs, like, let's say your father informs the type of, if you're heterosexual, the type of males or the type, actually, I think it applies to any partner, the type of partner that you're going to want in the future. So your father kind of inspires that. And then of course, your mother inspires who you choose to be with as well. So each, each parent has kind of a relationship to what your future may behold. And I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I feel like not only did that time with my daughter bring back my health and refocus me on, on family and refocus and kind of teach me that I didn't have to be my business. You know, I really learned that, that my business, yeah, yeah, my business could, could exist, but I could still have a life. And, and it really, what I think is fascinating about that concept, and I think we're seeing it more and more, because I think in the 80s and 90s, this was not in the zygus, but it very much is now, which is your business plan has got to include your health plan. It's just, they, they cannot be separate because anyone that owns their own business knows it never ends. You go to sleep with your business, right? So if you don't build in that health plan with the business plan, then when are you ever going to get to your health? Well, and I think that goes for really any, any employment. And if COVID hasn't taught us anything in the last year where we've had some time, the majority of us, unless you were working in healthcare or some of our essential workers, to take that pause, to be present, to, to take a look at our health. I mean, if we haven't learned anything in the last 15 or 16 months around that, then, then we're lost. <laughs> that balance has got to be there. And, you know, it, it did give us that time to take a step back and to not be in that, on that treadmill of go, 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 got to do this, got to do that. And I think you just made a great point, which is, you know, everything in life can always be reframed. And so something that felt so intense for so many people, particularly if you've lost someone from COVID, I, 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 my heart goes out to you, but I think we can reframe this period as a very positive 
piece in our lives is a, is a piece of reflection and a, and a piece of getting closer to what matters, you know, and I hear that's what you, you, you're saying and what it did for you. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's. And, and that's if we choose to, when I say exactly. you know, what's my whole premise, it's to make positive and conscious choices. If we yeah. choose to make them, when we put ourselves in a better place, we can get right back on that treadmill again. But then, you know, what was the last 15 or 16 months for? Yeah. And I'm, I am, I agree. I'm such a big fan of like learning from every piece, every piece of the puzzle. And, and that's why even you probably heard me when I said like, Oh, my first business, I was swallowed. I took my health, but I also still, I still look back at it and I say, I learned so much. Like it's, it, I'm applying what I learned to my new business and it's, and I'm making it better. I'm making improvements and I'm doing it differently. And, uh, I feel more sane for it. <laughs> Well, and I hope many people who are listening will take a step back and maybe make some of the same choices or reflect on what's best for them. Now, uh, you're at eatpluck.com and you mentioned Instagram. I think, believe you have a Facebook page too, do you not, James? Yes, I do. And it's all Eat Pluck. Uh, that, that's kind of the consistent. And we have Pinterest now as well and um, YouTube, Pluck TV. So, yeah, we, we're trying to hit all those markers because, you know, uh, one thing is that, you know, we launched this year, January 20, or sorry, last what, what year are we? 2021. <laughs> 2021. Okay. Yeah. So we la we launched in January of 2021. So just this year during COVID it's, I will not pretend to say it hasn't been its own challenge, you know, to launch a food product that no one understands what it tastes like when you can't give them samples, <laughs> you know, it's challenging. So I appreciate people like you, Lynn, who are, are having me on their, their channels and they're sharing their experience because that is how we're getting out there. Uh, it's really important to me to support people's health. That is why I've been in the game forever. And I really do believe that this product will support people's health. That is why it exists. And I believe it does what I'm saying it will do. And it will do it in a way that will also be taste good. It will taste delicious. So I encourage everyone to give it, a, give it a go, give it a try, even if you're worried about organ meats, because uh, this is just the beginning. And if we can grow a bit bigger, then we can do even better. And, and do your research, everyone. I mean, I, I did a Google, I Googled it. I looked at several different sites, reputable sites. And uh, what you're saying, James, rings true. It's, uh, it's something we should be thinking about. And I wish you all the best in terms of expanding your distribution. My wife is from Ottawa, so I'm a, I'm a I love Canada <laughs> and, uh, and I would love to support the Canadians as well. So uh, yeah, I look forward to that. And it's a perfect ending. The same thing I say every week, everyone stay healthy and safe. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. To learn more from people who are steering in the right direction, go to lynnmclaughlin.com and search the archives of every interview or subscribe to this podcast feed. A new episode is published every Wednesday.